We have some tremendously gifted people in our church, don't we? Thank you. We, um, I want to, I was reading a story about a man named George, and, and George was walking down the street, and he was walking past the construction site, and he saw this man that was building, constructing a wall, and he asked the man, what are you doing? And the man said, I'm a bricklayer, I'm, I'm building a wall. Didn't look too happy. Walked down a little further, came to another man. This guy had a little bit of a smile on his face, and he asked him, so what are you doing? And the guy looked at him and said, I'm building a church. Isn't it beautiful? And he kept walking, and he walked down the street, and he came a little further and came to another man. And this guy said, so what are you doing? And the man looked at him with this giant grin on his face, said, I'm building a place where people get to come and worship the Lord. Isn't it amazing how our perspective can be so different? You have three men doing the same job with the same goal and the same purpose, but each and every one of them with a different perspective towards what they were doing. So one guy was just doing a job. One guy had a vocation, but the other guy, he had a calling. Church, I realize our perspective about things is extremely important. Open your Bibles. We're going to go from Matthew 1 to Luke 1, back and forth. So you can put your finger in there or go to the church app and you can just follow along with me or we'll have it up here. Last week, Pastor Trevor brought an amazing message about the treasure and the trough. Amen. And as I was thinking about that this week, and he and I spent some time talking about that, I, I, I realized perspective is so important. And, and we don't know what their perspective is, and, and so I'm just going to make an assumption here, or, but very likely the, the perception that was going on in that barn was different from each one of them. Mary, she was there, and Mary was in this dark, dingy, stinky, smelly, I mean, this barn filled with all sorts of things, totally inadequate for anything, and all Mary sees is the presence of God right in the middle of it. Joseph, Joseph is in the very presence of God. And all he sees is this dirty, stinky, filthy, inappropriate, look at what I provided and how poorly I did room. And church, inside of the barn, there may very well have been two different perceptions, both in this dirty, dingy place in the presence of God. But how they saw things was different. Now I want to look at perspective from the place of, of the birth of Jesus, from the time that Jesus, um, from the mother's perspective and the father's perspective, from the time that this announcement was made that there was going to be a baby. I mean, let's, let's face it, their perspectives were totally different in what they saw and what they experienced at the announcement that the angel Gabriel brought to them. And, and he came, and, and this was an announcement that, about a baby a pregnancy that would change the world forever. Amen. Change the world never to be the same again. Man, you know what? I realized that as I was listening, that a lot of people have different reactions to pregnancy. Some people are overjoyed by it. Some people are terribly distressed by it. It depends on our circumstance. 
Well, that news was important. I mean, the good news angel brings this good news to this young woman. And, and, and again, it changes the course of history. But Christmas, the Christmas story, I was thinking about that as I was reading about the times. You know, the Christmas story has become so romanticized over time that honestly, I'm not sure that the real Christmas story that we hear and think about really is the same Christmas story that they experienced back in Judea. I think that we have kind of made it almost closer to a... a, a a, a book of fiction than what it is reality. That was a, a terrible, terrible time that it would have been to live in. Yeah. This was a time when, I mean, it was a lousy time and a lousy place for the baby to be born. Herod was on the throne. Herod was a horror. You know, we, we can talk about the leaders that we have in our country, but listen, we are not at a place at all where we have Herod, leaders like Herod the Great. This guy was horrible. He was awful. He did anything he wanted and had the full support of the Roman government to go ahead and do it. He had claimed the title for himself and wanted to accommodate that place of king of the Jews. He, did, he killed his own kids because they became a threat to his throne. This is a horrible guy. He taxed the Jews. He taxed the Jews so much that, that again, he made them poor in every way and used the Jews' money and through taxation to build idols and, and buildings that were given for false Roman gods. This guy was the epitome of what was evil and wicked. And the place, Judea, was under this tyranny of King Herod and therefore the Roman government. It was a terrible time. It was a time for economic growth, that political growth for the rich, but the poor just got poorer and poorer and poorer. I mean, it does sound a little familiar, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But in the midst of this political and economic and financial crisis, God had something planned in it all. Honestly, it was the setting. He was setting the stage in all of this, and we can't understand it, but God was setting the stage for the fullness of time to come exactly what he was doing and so it is in our day church today listen we live in the fullness of time for you to seek after the lord he's here and he's longing for you to come into a place of seeking him finding him and coming into relationship with him and church listen god is going to accomplish what god set out to do god will accomplish what he has called his will his divine will will be accomplished because church whether we think it or like it or believe in it or not our god is a sovereign god and what you think doesn't matter and it's not going to change him from accomplishing everything that god set out to do god isn't surprised by the condition of our world today he wasn't surprised by the condition of the world then he was using all of those things to bring about his will he is a sovereign God and he is on the throne and there is nothing in this world that's going to take him off of it. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, be like Mary. Be like Mary. Pay attention to what God wants to do in your life. Hear what God wants to do in your life and then do it. Amen. Got a pretty poor amen there. Come on, you got to help me out here. Listen, this is a wonderful time that we're in right now. And I believe this is why God wanted me to relay this message out for you is because this is that time of year with Christmas and New Year. This is a great time to make a decision to change our perspective. Amen. You know, what, what, what do you want to build? What, what kind of bricklayer do you want to be? The choice is ours as to what we see. 
And in this place where we choose a new perspective, will we focus on Jesus as the center of our life? And will we cling to him regardless of whatever circumstances we face? That question is for you. Let's take a look at this mother's perspective, Mary's perspective. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee of Nazareth. So again, you've got to see Gabriel. He's there. He's with the Father in heaven at the throne. Father dispatches him with a message. He heads down into Galilee. He goes to Nazareth. And then he goes and he finds this virgin that's betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I wonder what she thought. Wonder what must have been going through her mind when she heard that. Uh, is he taking me home? <laughs> is this the end? I mean, you're in the presence of this angel. I, I don't know, you know, what you'd be thinking, but here it says that Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her again, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God." And then he says, "This is how." Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? See, at this point, he hadn't said anything about the Holy Spirit being the, the one who she, in whom she would conceive with. He just thought, you know what? I mean, again, think about it. Mary only knew of one way in which somebody could become pregnant. And she's thinking about that and going, well, how's that going to be since I'm a virgin? And that's when he breaks this news to her. And, and the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will, uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So we see this ordinary girl, this plain ordinary girl that God brings this extraordinary miracle to. God picks this ordinary girl from the small town, from this ordinary place, getting married to this ordinary guy. She's still a virgin. 700 years, I, I just still find this amazing. 700 years before that. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, just realistically, we, we've been a nation for what, 250 years or so? 700 years before that, the prophet Isaiah had, and one of the, the over 300 specific prophecies about the Messiah said this about the coming of the Messiah. He said in Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is the sign that the Messiah has come. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So God picks this ordinary virgin girl to marry. He's, she's going to marry this ordinary guy, live in this ordinary life. I, I was thinking about that. I mean, she probably had these dreams. She's going to, you know, like everyone else, she's going to have 3.5 children. She's going she's gonna to live in Nazareth. She's going to live in this little house. She's going to be a housewife. Joseph's going to be a carpenter, and they're going to live happily ever after. I can imagine she probably, like most of us, had her life fairly planned out. 
But then. Mary had what all of us at some point in our life have. A but then. And in that moment when everything changed, Mary's ordinary life got interrupted by a totally unexplainable event. All of a sudden, this thing just happened. Man, have you ever been just cruising through life and something just happens? All of a sudden, but then. And in that instant, everything changes. Maybe, maybe an illness that you just have struggled with. Maybe there's been a death in the family. Maybe you heard the words, I want a divorce. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe a pregnancy. You know, church, you ever respond to God like Mary did? She was confused. She says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? You ever ask God, how is this, God, how is this gonna work? This doesn't make sense with my plans. This is not what I thought. This is not good, God. How, how can you allow this in my life right now? Church, let me say very clearly, you know what? Not everything that God speaks into our life seems like a good idea at the time. Just doesn't. Probably didn't seem like a good idea, but God had plans that were different than Mary's, and God was planning to take her ordinary life and to turn it into an extraordinary life. To do something impossible. Verse 28, the, the angel said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Listen, there is no greater adventure, there is no greater life than the life that is completely submitted to Jesus Christ, to following him, to hearing his will, and doing what he has called to, for each and every one of us to do. God will take your ordinary plans and he will turn it into an extraordinary life if you will let him. He has a wonderful adventure, a wonderful life, and extraordinary things that he has planned for you. He calls Mary, he says, she calls her favored one. Most of your versions say highly favored one. Yeah. How has God favored you? How have you experienced God's favor in your life? Look, you can probably go through and, and come up with all sorts of ways that you've experienced that. But church, you, go, you become, we become highly favored when we receive Jesus Christ into our life Amen. by faith. Yeah. We become highly favored. John 1, 11 and 12 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all, come on, say all, all, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That means that God looks at you as a born-again follower of Jesus Christ and says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. That is the high favor that he has. Mary just had to have had everything planned out. I can just imagine that her life was all thought through. She had planned things out. And then this ordinary life was interrupted by a totally unexplainable, unexpected event. But look at how Mary, I'm going to call it Mary's, Mary's totally extraordinary response. She says it in verse 38. And Mary says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's like, I, boom, mic drop. 
the angel's like, I'm out of here. What else do we need? Nothing else needed there. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary, in that moment, willingly, no matter what the cost might have been, she willingly submitted to God's will for her life. But how often do we get caught up in our plans? We get caught up in all of our own dreams. We get caught up in all of our own thoughts and all of the own things that we go through. And, and God tries to break into our life. God wants to do something else. God wants to do something new. And we fight every inch of the way because, no, I've got my plans, God. I've got my dreams, God. You're supposed to do what I planned. You're supposed to do what I dreamed. And God's going, no, no, no. Listen, you have ordinary plans for your life. I have extraordinary plans for your life. Trust me. Follow me. I'm going to do something you can't even begin to dream with your life. Yet we fight him every inch of the way because we want what we want. We fight him. And we fight, when we fight against the Lord's will, we fight against the extraordinary plans that he has for us. Look, when you choose to follow the Lord with every part of your being, when you give your whole life and all that you are to him, your life will never be the same. Your life will be changed. Your life will be transformed. When you submit your life to him, you will become extraordinary. God will do in you what you never dreamed or imagined. And in the end, it won't matter what your plans were. You'll be so glad that God didn't do it. You, you won't, won't matter where you live. It won't matter what kind of things you've accumulated. It won't matter. What will matter in the end is, is who you know and who you follow, who you're in a relationship with, who it is in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that you have come into this intimate place of amazing relationship with Him. Because God has more amazing, please, God has more amazing plans for you than you have for you. God has bigger plans for you than you have for you. God has a greater life for you than you have for you. He's God, you're not. Why do we choose to fight so hard to follow what we want rather than to trust and submit ourselves to what God wants? So flip over into Matthew chapter 1. And so we see Mary's perspective, this mother's perspective, this soon-to-be-married mother, a soon-to-be-married woman who's, who's got these dreams of marrying this ordinary guy, raising kids in an ordinary town of Nazareth, and God breaks into her life in this moment, and, and he brings this extraordinary message. But listen, the message that the angel brought to her was really complicated. For her, it would have been messy. The whole thing would have been Totally, I mean, no way in which she could really believe what was going on. Yet, Mary, she responds and says, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Church, that's a totally proper Christmas perspective. Joseph's perspective in Matthew chapter 1. Let's look at Joseph. In uh, verse 18, it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph finds himself, Joseph's in a desperate situation. This, you know, again, we sensationalize this, but this had to have been one of the greatest, if not the greatest disappointment of his life. 
This had to have been something that was devastating. I mean, Joseph, this good man, he's going to marry this virgin. She comes up pregnant. His life came crashing down. Everything that he had planned and dreamed came crashing down. Joseph is devastated. Imagine how, how you would feel if this woman that you're engaged to, you're in love with, and you're getting ready to marry her, and she comes to you and says, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm pregnant. Maybe some of you do know what that feels like. Joseph was ready to get married. He was ready to start a family. He was ready to spend the rest of his life with the woman he loved. He'd been dreaming about it. He'd been planning on it. He'd been building onto the house at his dad's place. or He'd been building and doing whatever he could to get ready so that when they got married, they had a place to go to. The wedding arrangements, they all were made. But then, Joseph had this but then experience. And the Bible tells us that Joseph was a just man, which means that Joseph, he was a good man. He had good plan. He had been a good man up to this point. He had good plans in what was going on. He had good plans for their future. He had good things in store for what they had planned. But all of a sudden, a but then came in and destroyed what he thought were all of his good plans. Why would God do this? Have you ever been in a place where you thought, God, why did you do this? God, every good plan I have is now destroyed. And what do you do when that devastating news comes? What, how, do you, how do you respond? Do you seek the Lord? Or, and I think this is probably more likely for most of us, do we start trying to do everything we can to figure out how to fix it? Right, figure out what can I do? But Proverbs 3, you know the, the scripture, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of it, all your heart. But lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So Joseph was this just man. And he's got these two options that he has for what he's going to do to fix this issue. And I want you to know that this good man, this just man, this man who, who, who wanted the very best for his future, he comes up with two ways to fix the situation. Neither one of them were God's plan. The scripture first tells us the first choice that he has is that he could publicly put her to shame. He could publicly, he could have her stoned. The passage for that we read earlier, I want to back this up. In Luke, the, the going on in Luke, back over there, in verse 38. Again, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days, or right then, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So Mary, she gets this news from the, holy, from the angel Gabriel, and she immediately makes haste to get up and go to the hill country of Judea. Why does she get up with haste and leave? Now, again, two options that I could think of. One, possibly she wanted to go see if truly Elizabeth was pregnant because she loved Elizabeth. And she wanted to go see, is what this angel said true? And the second reason may be that it would give her some time to figure out how in the world am I going to break this news to Joseph. Look, 
When the angel Gabriel told Mary the news, Joseph wasn't there. Joseph wasn't told by the angel. Joseph didn't know at that point what was going on. And the Bible says that Mary made haste, got up and left. Mary, she was six months along, Elizabeth, in her pregnancy. She was already six months along. And then it says this in verse 56 of Luke 1, and Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned home. So when Mary got the news, she was six months pregnant and she spent three months and the baby hadn't been born yet. So she got up and left right away. And she took off and probably, I don't know when, again, I don't know when Joseph found out or heard the news specifically that Mary was pregnant. But, man, how difficult would this have been to explain? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mary decides, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to the hill country of Judea. It was a long trek. And then she's three months gone and comes back pregnant. You know that you would have thought, and Joseph thought, hmm, she's obviously been unfaithful. Come on, we all would have thought that way. You know, we know the story. But again, you would have thought she was unfaithful. And Joseph thought the same thing. And Mary comes back and she tells Joseph. You know what Joseph could have done? Joseph could have in that moment, and it was one of the options, he could have dragged her out before into the city square and had her stoned to death. Because that was the law. In that day, the law, Leviticus 20.10, it says, if a man commits adultery with his wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. That's what was happening in Matthew chapter 8 when the adulterous woman was dragged before Jesus. They were getting ready to stone her to death. And Joseph could have done that. He could have made a public spectacle of her and he could have had her stoned to death. I thought about that, and I wonder how many people, if that was the choice for what we would do to our ex, or to your ex, or to a ex. But Joseph was a just man. And in all of this, he still decided he didn't want to do that. That was not the choice he was going to pick. So Joseph picked the second choice, the second option, and that was to, uh, to, to fix the issue, and again, he was trying to do it in a way that was not God's will. Joseph was going to quietly divorce Mary. That's what he had decided to do. Because in that day, engagements, engagements were, were something that were legally binding contracts. And the only way that you could get out of this legally binding contract was by an official divorce decree. Now again, man, that was nice of him, wasn't it? I mean, he didn't have her killed. He was being so generous. He was being a nice guy. He was just going to do this, and it sounds like the nice thing to do. I'm just going to divorce her quietly, and we're going to go our own quiet way. Nobody has to know. She can explain it to who she needs to explain it to. This is the nice, the easy. This is the good guy solution to the problem. This is the good thing for me. After all, Joseph, he could have had her executed, but he didn't. Church, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you got to stop depending on your human understanding to accomplish God's will. We need God's word. We need to know what God has for us. We need to have godly discernment so that we can know what is of God and what is not. But oftentimes we take discernment and we think that this gift of discernment is something that helps us just to understand what's right and what's wrong. Let me just say, that's not it. 
Even the unsaved know what's right and wrong. But the whole gift of discernment, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, discernment is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it is the difference between right and almost right. Church, there's a lot of almost right that aren't God's will. It's not what God wants. Many times we want to keep peace in a situation by doing that which is peaceable. We want to be peacekeepers rather than doing what is right, which would be to be a peacemaker, to do the hard thing, to do the thing that doesn't always seem to make the most sense, but to be a peacemaker. Because even when things don't seem right in our own eyes, listen, just because something seems right to you doesn't mean it's right with God. Okay, just because something doesn't seem like it's right to you doesn't mean it's not right with God. The, uh, you know, the Bible talks about a couple of different ways, categories in which we can f- put our sin. He talks about two different things that we can walk in, and, and under that you've got pretty much every area of sin you can imagine. And the first is the sin of commission. And that usually involves the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are the things that we do that we know are sin. And so no one has to convince us because we know, I should not do that. And so, but we did it. And we know that that's sin because we did it. So it's pretty simple. Those are the sins of commission. But there's also then the sins of omission. When God calls you to do something and you don't do it. When God calls you to do something and you don't do it because you don't like it. Or you don't do it because it makes you uncomfortable. Or you don't do it because it's hard. Or because you don't do it because it doesn't fit your ordinary plans. And so we commit these sins of omission. James 4.17 says, whatever you know, uh, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Sometimes, you know, we, we think that the compassionate way is the way in which we're supposed to deal with everything. But sometimes the compassionate way goes against the will of God. Joseph in his decision, was about to miss the greatest blessing of his life. Joseph was about to miss this ordinary life being transformed into an extraordinary life because he wanted to focus on his human understanding rather than hearing from the Lord. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts are. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't conform yourself to the world. Don't try to look like the world. Don't try to fit in with the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be made new by the renewal of your mind and that by testing you may uh, by discern what is the will of God and is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can know what is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God for your life. And you can do that by testing all things that come by his word, testing those things in his word. And when those, that word is being made revelation, you hold on to it with all that you have. You don't give up. You don't give out. You don't, get, you don't stop. You hold on to that word. You hold on to that which is true. And God, through that, starts to renew your mind, Amen. starts to transform your life. But man, don't our emotions and our feelings and our flesh get in the way? 
Man, they confuse us sometimes. We get so confused when making decisions. I don't know what to do. But that's where we need the spirit of discernment so that we can hear what God's will is. Because, you know, again, as Spurgeon said, discernment is the difference between right and almost right. Joseph went to bed with his heart set, his mind set, his plans set on doing what was almost right. He was going to do the good guy thing. And in the middle of the night, the angel came to him and said, no, no, no. You're not going to do what's almost right. You're going to do what's right. And he gives him another plan. And, and let's look at what the Lord's solution was. Totally different. In, in verse 20 of Matthew 1, he says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That was never an option. That was never something he thought about. How many times do we get things all figured out? Okay, God, we got to do this. And then God's got a completely different option that we never considered. Yeah. Never thought about that. No, it's because we got consumed with our thoughts and our plans and we didn't listen and hear and discern what he had for us. Well, here, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is where he finally hears that the Holy Spirit has done this. Can't you imagine what he was feeling in that moment? I mean, I know he was in a dream, but the, it was obviously very real. Can't you imagine the relief? Oh, she wasn't lying to me. She told me the truth. Thank you, God. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph, listen, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know what? God's way of fixing the problem, God's solution, was for Joseph to marry Mary and endure the shame of it. All the things that their parents might have said and their family might have said because you have to know that not everybody believed what they were saying. The looks that they must have gotten, the looks that Joseph must have gotten. But I want you to see that just like Mary, what Joseph did, Joseph doesn't wait to obey. Do you know what delayed obedience is? Not always, but oftentimes it's disobedience. Look, he knew the right thing to do. And the moment he knew the right thing to do, he did it. Church, God will never call you to do something that he does not equip you to answer that call. He will equip you in whatever it is he calls you to do. And, and so here, Joseph did. He did what the Lord wanted. He did what the Lord asked him to do. In a moment, he didn't delay. He got up and did it. Joseph, once he knew the Lord's will, he stopped worrying about the outcome. He stopped worrying about how it was gonna work out. He stopped worrying about what the results might be and what he just said, okay, God, I trust you right here, not knowing the answers to all those things. And Joseph, he did that because he was an obedient man. He obeyed the Lord. Listen, are we willing, are, am I willing, are you willing to 
take immediately, when God speaks to you, to take immediate action? When he reveals his will to you, are you willing to step out and say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be according to your word. Look, from every mother's perspective in this thing, from this mother's perspective, Mary, she just submitted to the Lord. She just submitted to his, to his will for her life in a moment. She didn't wait. She just in a moment did it. She didn't have to wait till she understood it all. She trusted the God who knew it all. God steps into this ordinary life and does something extraordinary in her life. And then the father's perspective, Joseph, first thing he does is try to fix everything with human reasoning. Let me figure it out. Let me try to fix it. Let me, let me be a nice guy. Let me do the nice thing. But after hearing from the Lord, Joseph stops worrying about the outcome and he just does, simply does what God told him to do. And church, that is a Christmas perspective. But here we are, we're in 2022, coming into 2023. Hard to believe. And isn't it amazing that we live in a time today where there is political corruption like never before? We live in a time where there is religious compromise like never before. We're seeing pastors compromising the word of God like never before. We are, we are in a place where we are headed down this cliff that very likely we could see financial crisis like never before. But church, we've got to remember that our God is on the throne. That our daddy is still the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all. That he is on that th throne and he is sovereign. And he has promised that just as he in that time brought the fullness of time, he is bringing the fullness of time for you and for me. And in these dark and desperate times, he's going to accomplish these bigger and better purposes for our world and for your life. In the midst of it all, don't get your eyes set on what's going on around you. Set your eyes on the light that's right in the midst of it all. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Worship team, would you come on back up? So let me just give you a few points here to close this up with about this Christmas perspective. How can I gain a Christmas perspective? One is you need to wait on God. You need to wait to hear God's will before you act. Don't just set out to fix it. Let God minister his will to it. Two, you need to trust in God. Church, his way of doing things is always better than your way of doing things. Always, 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 always he has a better way. Three, we need to learn to be obedient to God's plan because God's plan will always lead us. Sometimes it leads us through valleys, but it will always lead us to his blessings. It's his desire is to bless our lives, to bless you. And the Lord will never call us without equipping us for the call. And we need to trust that he will equip us for the call because when he calls us, he's not gonna give us the whole thing. Okay, yes, Lord, here I am. And number five, please, every one of you hear this. He has a specific destiny for you. He has a specific purpose for you and for your life. Do you know that before the beginning of time, that God knew that you would be here this morning? 
and he brought you here to hear the message that he was thinking about you when all this was put together do you know this morning that he loves you and that he sent his son Jesus Christ in the form of a baby and he lived a perfect life he lived a sinless life and he sent him to die for your sins he came to carry and to bear your punishment church have you answered the greatest call of all the call to surrender to your life to God to him as Lord and Savior to surrender yourself to him and cry out for the forgiveness of your sins Have you allowed yourself to come into a relationship with Him where He begins to relate with you and He begins to direct your life as the Lord, as the boss, as God in your life? Church, the real Christmas story isn't a nice, neat little package deal that we look at. It's a God thing. The Christmas story is God Himself, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. He came here in the flesh to rescue you. He came into this world, into this dark world, and He came to get you. He came to find you where you were lost in your sins and had no way out, where you had no hope, and He came into this world to bring you hope. He came as a baby. He was born into this world, but He grew up, church, and He took the cross. He bore the cross. He carried your cross and all of its shame. He did that for you. He took the punishment that you deserve and he did not because he loves you. And he did. He went into the grave. He died and spent three days uh, dead. And God raised him to life. And he ascended back to the right hand of the Father where today that's where he is interceding for you, calling out to you. And church, he also, we need to know, is coming again. And when he comes, he's coming for his church. He's coming again. And the challenge is this, like this Christmas song we sing over and over and over again. Let every heart prepare him room. Have you prepared room in your heart for Jesus? See, Joseph and Mary, they had room in their heart. They prepared their heart. They made room for Jesus. They had a Christmas perspective. Because that's what A Christmas perspective means, are you willing to make room for Jesus so that he might be the center of your life? Rather than just some obscure planet that just wants to rotate around you. Are we willing to submit ourselves to his plan and to realize that before the world was ever formed, God had a plan to come and redeem his people from their sins. And here we see Jesus, the plan of redemption, being opened up to us. And that plan was so that we might make him the center, the focus, the purpose of our life, and follow him. The church, right here in the middle of this dark, dingy, stinky, terrible place that we call earth, that we could right in the middle of it all change our perspective and focus on the blessing of God, the very presence of Jesus Christ that's right here in the middle of it all. That God wants to move into these darkened rooms, these darkened places, and take up residency in us, in the stable. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for what you have for us.
God is speaking, church. And the question is, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to listen? Lord, let it be according to your word. So this morning, do you have a Christmas perspective? Or is that something this morning that you need to make a commitment to? To making room for Jesus in everything I do. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you have plans and purposes that are beyond what we could even wildly dream of. And I pray today, Lord God, that you would open up the hearts of those who need you, those that are apart from you, those that are lost in their sin. Oh God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would go to them even now. Lord, you said you were here. Where two or more are gathered, there you are. Lord God, go to them today, Lord. And, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would be born in them, that they would call out to you. Don't resist the rescuer. today. Just say, God, come into my life. I need you. I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I don't know why you would want to come into this broken down, dirty thing I call a, a life. And But God, I trust you. And let God make the extraordinary out of what you see as just ordinary. Come to Him. Come to Him. And maybe today you you backslid. You're 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 in the pig's pen. God's saying, "Come home, son, daughter. Come home. I love you. I've been waiting. I've been watching for you. Today's the day. Get up out of the pig pen and come home. I love you. I love you. Well, maybe today you're just realizing I, I need to make room. I need to listen. I need to hear what God has for me." I need to trust that he has a bigger vision than I have. Wherever you are today, simply say, Lord God, I trust you. Let it be to me as your word has declared. make room for him here is where I lay it down every burden All right now. Every lay it down lay it down this is him. my surrender and surrender to him this is my surrender
high places, places that we could never have dreamed or imagined. I thank you, God, that you are in the process of taking the ordinary and creating the extraordinary. I thank you, Lord, for lives being submitted, being laid down and surrendered to you. And I pray, God, today that you, by your spirit, would lift up the heads, the countenance of those, Lord God, who have placed their trust in you. You are faithful. Come on, our God is a faithful God. Have your way, Lord. Do what only you can. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, amen. Amen. Listen, church, God bless you. Church is not over. It is about to begin. So go be the church. Don't forget to go back and get your missionaries. The ornaments back there, take those home, put them on your tree, and get your Lead the Way Christmas box back in the back. God bless y'all.